So we're still talking about the Holy Spirit and coming off of last week uh, being Pentecost Sunday. And we were talking last week about how important the Holy Spirit is, uh, that he often gets a bad rap. Um, He's not really thought of in modern Christianity much. Uh, We kind of kind of capped off talking about the fact that um, we, we know what the Father does, we know what the Son came for, but a lot of people don't know what the Holy Spirit's here for. Um, and I think that's, I think that's, this is good conversational stuff. I think this is great stuff. Even last week, we even bled over into that night, uh, Sunday night service, talking about the Holy Spirit. He needs to be talked about. Amen. He needs to be talked about. Uh, not only does he need to be talked about, he needs to be given some credit. It does. He needs to be given some credit. Um, I know that it's, it is, they are three separate, but they are one. So does it work just to say, thank you, God? Yeah, it does. But I think that has happened so long that people have just completely forgotten about what the Holy Spirit's even here for, that he's even part of the Trinity. What's this elusive ghost in the back who uh, does these things and, and came on the day of Pentecost and what is all that stuff about I guess that th- that doesn't really apply to us anymore on the contrary it's very much still here it's kind of like um, it's kind of like having uh, maybe <laughs> maybe yeah it's kind of like uh, having won something thank you being given something but never actually opening the vault to get it out. It's like it's given to you. It's yours. You can have it. That's every promise in the Bible, right? How many, how many of you stand on God's promises that way? You know, say, hey, God said it. It's mine. I said this last week, and I'll say this again to kind of start off, off this, this particular lesson. If that's the case, then why does the Holy Spirit still get forgotten? He's a promise. He was promised. We're okay with standing on God's promises, yet not so much the Holy Spirit. And if we'll really think about it, maybe not in all of your lives, maybe not in none of your lives. Some nice glasses, Stace. I'm a little nervous now about even handling them. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe we look at him and not realize that we've taken him for granted. And the way that he... St- Speaks God's will into your life, the 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 uh, the planning of the Holy Spirit to to bring the will of God into your life. Because remember, everything He does is from the will of the Father, but He is His own separate person. And so, as we start off with this the this morning and talking about the Holy Spirit, let's open ourselves up to this. Let's open ourselves up to conversation about the Holy Spirit. And, and let's look at our own personal lives and make sure that we are, uh, if we have been filled with the Holy Spirit, that we're using, we're using the things that we've been given, or if we have not been ho- uh, filled with the Spirit, that that's something that we desire to have and that we want. And then we're not just, we're not just coming to church, we're coming, <laughs> we're coming to a Pentecostal church where everyone else does the Pentecostalism stuff but me. Think about that. I didn't say that you had to be dancing. This is where it gets a lot of people uncomfortable when you start talking about Pentecostal stuff. They say, well, that dancing stuff's not for me. I've never personally danced in the spirit, personally. 
I've never done that. That's never happened. If the Spirit came upon me and I did it, I guess that would be a fantastic thing. But that's never happened to me. But that's where a lot of people turn that switch off because they see those things or they've heard of the things that have gone on in the past and they automatically shut off anything connected to that because they're thinking, man, I don't ever want to do that. That'd be crazy. That'd be embarrassing. It all starts with the very simplistic thing, and that's just simply recognizing that the Holy Spirit is real, and he's here for your good. He's not here to embarrass you. He's not here to hurt you. He's here to help you. And so when we can put that in the right context, we can put that in the right context, know why he's here, know what he's here for, we'll let all that other stuff come later. And maybe, maybe that's not even you anyway. Maybe you never dance in the Spirit. But we often cut the Holy Spirit off because we think, man, I don't want that happening to me. Maybe we need to let him have his way. Page 6 says, waiting for the Holy Spirit. Central truth is that God gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey him. I'm going to refer this morning back to the central truth a couple times because that really is, that's the, that's the centerpiece right there, is that God gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey him. And I'm going to refer to obedience a couple times this morning. This lesson can almost be seen as a prequel to the previous lesson. We will be looking at the time and events leading up to the day of Pentecost and the coming of the Holy Spirit. The writer of Acts is a physician, Luke, who later traveled with Paul. Luke is also the writer of the Gospel of Luke. In the book of Acts, Luke picked up from the final events recorded in his Gospel. The books of Luke and Acts together form an account of the coming of Christ through the early years of the church. A popular saying is good things come to those who wait. Anybody say that one before? Sure. While this may not always be true, and it's not, God had something good for the followers of Jesus. But they did have to wait for it. Okay, so we often, when we look at those scriptures, we often key in on the, the, uh, the waiting aspect of it. Yes, that's important. It was important. But I want to refer to that as we start off this morning, not so much as waiting as much as it was obedience and doing what they were told. It's like, okay, yeah, they, did they wait for the Holy Spirit? Yes. Yes, they waited for the Holy Spirit. But let's take another step back. And if we're going to really study the Bible and we're going to look at what was the advantageous thing, what was the thing that is going to benefit me the most from learning? Was it the waiting? I mean, a lot of people wait, and they don't even know what they're waiting for. I can't get an amen on that. You're waiting, and you don't even know what you're waiting for. They knew what they were waiting for. Why? Because they were obedient. And this is where obedience really comes into play. And to me, I hold that in the higher regard in the essence of this story, in the context of the story, because if we focus so much about the waiting, we forget that they were told to wait. Well, let's just take God's word, okay? Let's just take God's word. And we talked about this. You've heard us talk about it in here. Uh, pastors talked about it. I've talked about it. Others have talked about it. We can't just pick and choose pieces of the Bible that we like. That's not the entirety of God's word. We can't just pick certain parts that fit our lives and say, okay, that fits perfectly. Well, if that fits perfectly, then everything fits perfectly. Everything deserves its place. And so when we start talking about this particular story and we talk about the waiting, the waiting came because they were told to wait. So let's use that and let's, let's cross-apply that to your own life. It's like, well, I'm waiting on God. I've heard people say this to me before, getting a good conversation. What are you waiting for? What did he tell you? I don't know. He didn't tell me nothing. I just, I'm waiting. You could be waiting a while. 
We should know what we're doing, where we're going, because we are acting upon the obedience of God's word. We know where we're headed because thus saith the Lord. Amen. You start following God without his word, you may end up following something other than God. Lead you down a path that you didn't expect. See, it all hinges on obedience. And this is why I want that to be the centerpiece. They waited because they were told to wait. Not just waiting aimlessly. Not just waiting. We were just waiting on the Lord. Well, what? Did he tell you to wait? No, he didn't. Didn't say, say nothing about that. It all has to come from a place of obedience. What did he tell you? What did the word tell you? What does the word speak to you? What did he say to you last week or last night in your prayers? What did he, what did he show you? It all those things culminate to this place of obedience that pushes you and I forward. And what are we ultimately striving to do? We're trying to get closer to God, right? We want to get closer to him. All of those things that are in his word, it's a culmination of getting closer to him. We follow his word in, his, in its entirety. Not just for the moment. How many times people follow God only when things are bad? Now, you, let's go back to 9-11. If you remember that event, the churches were filled. People were, were looking for God, looking for answers. Um, we've had maybe nothing quite like that, but we've had some pretty major events happen in our nation. Churches ain't filling no more. We're not seeing a response like we used to see. We're not seeing a, a, a push in the right direction. People were looking for direction. They were quoting scriptures, looking for God to lead them. God, tell us what to do. Now, that shouldn't be just because there's a tragedy. But we, we want to go where he wants us to go because we know he knows the way better than we do. And that's, man, I can't get away from that. I don't want to spend too much time talking about the church. But the fact that he knows the way better than you and I do it should sound an alarm and some red flags should be going up if you're trying to figure this thing out yourself. You're trying to find the path without him or only utilizing God's ability when it's needed. Well, I'm in a jam. I guess I better pray. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in a tough spot. I guess I, should, I guess I should submit. I should find him. We should have been farther along than that. Right? It should be farther along than that. Okay. On the day of Pentecost, the followers of Jesus received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. God's timing, their waiting, helped to fulfill his purpose when this gift was given to the early believers. That purpose continues to be fulfilled through spirit-filled believers today. Okay. Let's go to page 7, read our scriptures. <coughs> Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? 
he replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Luke 24:52. So they worshipped him and then returned to Jerusalem, filled with great joy, and they spent all of their time in the temple, praising God. Acts 1:12. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of half a mile. When they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. Here are the names of those who were present. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. Acts 2.1 on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames of tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Okay. Thank you. <coughs> Part 1, Commanded to Wait. After his resurrection, Jesus appeared to his followers several times. In this appearance, Jesus reminded them of his teachings about the need for him to suffer on the cross and be raised again to provide for the forgiveness of sins. If you remember that correctly, too, that was a struggle for them. They didn't quite understand that. The perception was, was that Jesus was going to set up his kingdom on earth at any moment. And they were going to be a part of that. You always... You always got to backtrack that because I think the the apostles were are so much like or we're so much like them in this kind of idealism that there's just going to be this power that's going to overwhelm people and make them do the bidding and the will of God. That dates all the way back to the apostles who were under the idea that Jesus was going to set up his kingdom on earth and all these evil sinners were going to be forced to serve God and they would finally see who he really was doesn't work like that it doesn't even work like that in your prayers and you've heard us say this before it's people's choice to decide what they're going to do it's always people's choice that's that that's one of the greatest things about god is that he allows you to choose even people doing the wrong thing you get to choose the reason you get to choose is that when we stand before him all accountability is on us that's the, way, that's the reason we get to choose. So it isn't like you're going to stand before God and he's going to say, well, I did tell you to do that. It didn't work out. No, no, it's not going to go down like that. It's all accountability is on us. This is why we talk about accountability in here. All accountability is on us to make those right decisions. And so, um, you know, when he was, he was reminding them of what he was going to have to do, and we have to be reminded constantly. We need to be reminded constantly. This is why we come to church. You think, man, you and Pastor, you guys talk about the same stuff a lot because you need to be reminded, and so do I. We need to be reminded constantly about the power uh, that sin has over the human body, the temptations that can easily arise, constantly flagged for those things. Uh, one of the things that I see being lost in the church, in Christianity today, is the discussion of sin, that there is salvation without repentance of sin. That's absolute ridiculousness there's got to be a repentance of sin 
there's got to be a recognition that we've offended a holy God. Has to be. And if the prayers, let me, I'm careful how I say this. And if the prayers, if our prayers of salvation or our prayers for God to assist us or save us or help us or whatever the situation is, if our prayers begin to linger into a realm of, of guarantee and ignorance, meaning that God is going to give me regardless of how I act or how I treat sin, then we're deceived. It's, it's about recognizing what we've done wrong. And it's about repenting to a holy God about what we've done wrong. This is very much about that. It's being lost. And it's being scooted over to the side. Nah, there's no need to repent for your sins anymore. God has saved you. And you're good to go. That saying, I've heard that. You're good to go. <laughs> I make mistakes every single day. And I may have been good to go at 6 o'clock. But at 3 o'clock, I'm not good to go anymore. i got to find a place in my office. i got to find a spot. And i got to say, I should have said that. I'm sorry. I repent. I'm, I'm going to repent. Some, have you ever, you ever repented and then had to call somebody up and say, hey, I'm sorry about that? And that's, man, that's, that's, that's true repentance, man. That's really where it gets it at. I'm, just, I'm saying that because we need to understand what the, the reason that Jesus came and why he was reminding them. But that's not just, that wasn't just a one-time event, man. That's all the time. It's not that God's work isn't incomplete. It's complete. What Jesus, he's not going to go back to the cross any more times. What he did is it. But you and I, we're not, we're, a, we're an unfinished work. We're constantly being worked on every single day, becoming more like Christ. And so to, to think of us of any other way other than being incomplete until we're with him, I think we're missing the mark. It's a, we're a work in progress. Okay. His disciples were to be witnesses of this to the world, but first they needed to receive the power of the Holy Spirit, the gift the Father had promised. All right, this was very important. We said this last week. Remember, this is exactly why Jesus said, I got to leave. He said, I got to go away. I can't stay. I got to go so the Holy Spirit can come because there was, there was a major reason for that. With the Spirit's help, Jesus' followers had the mission, the message and the means to fulfill their calling. Jesus explained what the scriptures had foretold about his work as the Messiah to provide the redemption of humankind. His reference to the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms included all that is now known as the Old Testament. Each of these divisions contained prophecies related to his death, burial, and resurrection. The apostles were first-hand witnesses of Jesus' ministry and resurrection. Their mission was to proclaim the good news throughout the earth with Jerusalem as the starting point. The message was the need for people to repent and receive the forgiveness of sins. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Maybe it's a little rhetorical, but I just want to, I want to get your, your take on this. It said the message was the need for people to repent and receive the forgiveness of sins. My question is, has that changed? Okay, I don't believe it's changed either. But do you see through the, this, it's kind of a, you got to kind of read between the lines here. It's that I think a lot of times we'll look at ourselves much like the, you know, like the apostles did, and it's like, okay, I've received him, so I'm good to go. But the, the, mission, the mission was not for you just to get saved. That was never just the mission. The mission was not just for you to get saved. It's like, okay, I don't, I guess, have anything else to do. No, the mission just actually began. It started right there. 
You receive salvation. Now you are on a path to intercept everybody that was like you. To live a life in front of them, to speak to them of a transformed life that God has created in you, that they can see that and they can be changed themselves. Um, Pastor and I have had these conversations in the past. Um, I often entertain the thought and the idea of escaping into the mountains. Running away from it all. Getting away from the distractions and never coming back. <laughs> How many of you have, you, have you ever seen any pictures of New Zealand? Anyone ever been to New Zealand? There's some, uh, Misty was taking me through some of these pictures the other day. It's some of the most beautiful, it looks like something out of a movie. It doesn't even look real, but it was real. These, these towns and these, and I said, that's where we need to go. <laughs> right there. He's in the mountains. No matter where the camera turned, they were in the mountains. And there, and there was this beautiful waters running through this, this, uh, this city. I was, I was blown away. I said, that's where we need to go. It seems very appealing to disappear off the map. But let's go back to the mission. Because see, the mission pulls us out of the mountains. It does. The mission pulls us out of the mountains. The mission pulls us out of hiding. Because the mission is, you're not done yet. You're not done. Um, I've, always, I've always been, uh, I don't know, this is the way I took it. I've always, I've always wanted to live, you know, my parents, I grew up in the country. And not a, not a real big spot, about 20 acres. Enough to say I grew up in the country. Away from towns and stuff like that. Lots of, lots of places to play. And uh, the, when I was 18, I had to leave that. And I moved to town. I have never been able to move back to the country. I've always lived in town. And I asked the Lord that because that was one of my prayers. It had been my prayers for years. I'd like to move back to the country if it's possible. But the Lord has not seen fit. He said, no, I need you in the middle of town. I need you right in the middle of everything that's going on. And I'm like, no, I want to escape. I want to get away. I don't want people knocking on my door in the middle of the night, which I've had happen many, many times. I don't want to have to deal with all of that stuff. I know you're with me. But see, God has got a mission for each one of us, and it's usually not the mission that you and I have idealistically for ourselves. I mean, if, if you were left up to your own idea of a mission, like what would your life mission be? If, if it's like mine, it would be to just get away from everybody. We'd follow that mission statement. And we would walk away from everything just so we could feel as though we had peace. But see, when God is our peace, we can put ourselves in the middle of the storm and we can do his will. And that's when we really find the value of what life is really all about. It's about being obedient to him. And following his way. And you know, his way doesn't always take us where we want to be. But it definitely takes us where we need to be. Okay. Um, Jesus instructed his disciples to remain in Jerusalem until they received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist had baptized people in water. The disciples were to be baptized in the Spirit that John had spoken of to be empowered for service. So, remember the obedience aspect of this. What did he tell them? He said, you need to go and wait on the Holy Spirit so we can continue this work. I have to leave in order for him to come. Now, I want you to think about this for just a minute. Let's go back to 
Jesus' baptism by John the Baptist. Okay? We don't have any record of Jesus doing any kind of miracles before his baptism in the Spirit. We don't have any record of that. Now, you can dig up some stuff on the web. They all got all kinds of crazy stuff out there. Well, there's this, this that says this, and, and, and there's all kinds of information out there. Biblically, we have no evidence that there was any miracle taking place before that had taken place. Now, this is why I like to point out something, because God has his role, God the Father. God the Son has his role, and God the Holy Spirit has his role. When we see Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist, and this light looked like a dove descended upon him, the Holy Spirit, and at that moment, the two joined together. You could say they joined forces because Jesus was and is the sacrificial lamb, correct? But in order for this work to continue, he had to have the Holy Spirit. And this is where this, is where this loses a lot of people because they're like, well, Jesus performed those miracles. <clears throat> yes, but not exactly. And this throws a lot of people off. Like, oh, no, 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 Jesus did those things. He was a vessel. It was his faith. It was his faith. It's type and shadow. Remember, it's type and shadow going into the new covenant. It was his faith joined together with the power of the Spirit. If Jesus would have and could have done it on his own, why did he need the Holy Spirit? Because they each have a role, and without that individual, that role cannot be fulfilled. Jesus had to have the Holy Spirit in order to be empowered to do what he was going to do. Now, fast forward today. Doesn't that make you wonder about your own life? I mean, it's got to make you wonder. It's got to make you think. Why did Jesus, why did that happen that way? And then that brings up another question. Do I need the Holy Spirit? Maybe, quite possibly, that we need the Holy Spirit too. Amen. See, that really does, I, I, and, I'm, and I'm unpacking this this way because I want you to think. I want you to think. It's good to think about the scriptures. It's good to, to look at the key indicators and think, wait a second. Now, why was that like that? Why, why did it happen? Why did it unfold that way? Why was it so important? Not only was Jesus baptized and, and, and received the Holy Spirit, but why was it important, so important, that he said, now I got to die so he can come and be with you. Why? Why all the importance on the Holy Spirit? But see, that's often forgotten. And duly noted, Jesus should get all the attention. He is the sacrificial lamb. Absolutely. All of my thanks and praise goes to God for sending his son to die on a cross. Can I get an amen? I'm so thankful for that. But often we forget when he left, he sent the other part. And we're not even thankful for that because we don't even really know why he's even here. That's a problem. In the church, I'm talking about the church. You may know all of that. That's fine. I'm talking about the overall church. Just kind of cut it right there. And they left off the Holy Spirit. And they said, well, all I need is Jesus. Well, Jesus needed the Holy Spirit. Wouldn't we need him too? Thought-provoking. Think about it. Okay. Um, the apostles then asked Jesus about the restoration of Israel as a sovereign nation. 
while it may seem out of place, they would have known that an outpouring of the Spirit was tied to the restoration of Israel in prophecies of the last days. Jesus gently redirected their attention to their mission, being his witness as they took the gospel to the ends of the earth. God, in his timing, would fulfill the promise of restoring the rule of God to Israel. Okay, so you could say, in a sense, they had a kind of a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They had a, uh, a national question. That was, it was a biblical question, but they, had, they also had a national question. So we're going to be restored as a country? See, this is going back to power. They were like, when are we going to be restored? Like, when are we going to be in power and, and be over uh, everybody and be the light to everybody out there? They were referring to this in a, like a power manner. He redirected them, and he said, stay focused on the mission. Stay focused on what I sent you here for. Christianity today. We see a lot of things going on in our country, right? Yeah. A lot of things that are disturbing and frustrating. I, I have spent, um, and I've had the, I've had... The Holy Spirit began to deal with me about this as this thing begins to uh, go in a direction that I do not like. I have at times become obsessive, and I'm being completely honest with you because I don't think I'm the only one. I become at times obsessive about trying to predict what's going to happen before it happens. Digging up every bit of information that I can find out so I can figure it out before it actually comes down the pipe. And I feel this right here. This is exactly what God has been getting to deal with me about. He grabs my head and he's like, stay focused on the mission. Stop worrying about figuring out everything before it happens. Stay focused on why you're here. What did I put you here for? Stay focused on the word. Stay focused on the preaching. Stay focused on the teaching. Stay focused on being an accurate witness. I talked about running just a little bit ago. Come on. With the state of our country today... I mean, isn't there some of us have thought about that kind of as an appealing thought? Maybe we can make a run for the mountains. It's getting crazy. The cities are, are getting crazy. We think, man, we could make a great escape. What could we do? And it's an entertaining thought. But God has put you in the place that you're at today for a reason. You are here. Maybe you didn't realize that you were going to have to be a pillar. Maybe you didn't realize that. Maybe you didn't realize that you were going to have to hold up your end in hard times. Maybe you didn't realize that. But we can't run from it. We can't. There's no getting away from it. And as much as I would as much as it is an appealing thought to think about being able to skip the whole thing and, and maybe find it all out before it happens, that way I can be prepared. There there is nothing more prepared than you can be than making sure that Christ is right here in your heart. Right here. Making sure that you are right with him and making sure you are doing his will every single day. Being obedient to him. Yeah, I believe that there are all kinds of things about to happen. Sure, but that doesn't change the mission that I have in my life. Just because something bad happens to our nation, does that mean we abandon the plan? Or maybe we would rather not even have to go through the plan anymore. Maybe we just want him to hurry up and come back. I understand that. I'm with you. I'm with you. Jesus returned. What if, what if we're still here? And what if we have to endure? And what if we have to endure and still be a witness for him? Did you ever think about that? I have. I've had to come to grips with some things in my own life, in my own personal life. Me. You know what? Maybe my plans are not going to work out like I wanted to. Maybe not. 
And that has drawn me back to the mission. That's what it's drawn me back to. What am I actually here for? Am I, am I, here, for, am I here for prosperity? Or am I here to do God's will? What am I actually here for? So that's, I'm bringing these things up. Thought-provoking. Think about it. Christians can get caught up trying to decipher end-time events and fail to stay on mission. Disciples of Jesus are to go to be witnesses of the gospel to all nations. The Greek word for witness is the word we get martyr from. The power to stand for Christ as his followers and proclaim the gospel when facing opposition and even death comes only from being full of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. All right, let's go to section two. We're going to keep moving. Worshiping and waiting. Jesus' last words to his disciples were a blessing. We do not know what he said, but it may have been similar to his prayer for them in John 17. When he asked for them to be protected, to have unity, and to experience joy as they were sent into the world to proclaim the kingdom of God. As Jesus ascended into heaven, the disciples worshipped him. He was their Messiah, the risen Savior, and the exalted Lord. Any lingering doubt seemed to have vanished as evidenced by their worship and great joy. The events of the previous few weeks likely caused them to see the time they had spent with Jesus with fresh faith. Peter's sermon in Acts 2 reveals their clear understanding of who Jesus is and what he came to do. The disciples were obedient. They stayed in Jerusalem, gathering regularly in the temple to worship God as they waited for the promised outpouring of the Spirit. So coming back to that obedience aspect of it again. So let me, let me just kind of weigh in on this obedience factor one more time as we continue into uh, this next paragraph, is that I'll ask you this question. Are you being obedient to God in your own personal life? I'm talking about right now in your prayers, because I know, what he, I know what he deals with me about. I don't know what he deals with you about. But what I have found is a common denominator between you and I and other Christians out there is that God is dealing with people every day. And so I want you to search yourself and make sure that you're being obedient to him. Because if you're not being obedient to him in the very small things, how do we expect to continue in our faith and continue in this walk? What has he been dealing with you about? What has he been telling you in your prayers? What, do you, what have you been feeling inspirations to do but maybe haven't done? What do you feel stirring within you? Often we cancel that out. So I'm too busy. I've got things to do. I've got situations that I've got to take care of. I get all of that. Lately, God has been taking me and showing me the insignificance of some of my endeavors. And I begin to take a backpedal. And I begin to rethink a lot of the things that I was doing. Not because of necessarily an event. Nothing other than being 100% obedient to him. I'm listening a little bit differently now than I used to. Let's put it that way. So I'm asking you that. I'm asking you to challenge you in your own personal life. What has he been telling you? that you need to be doing right now. Maybe it's prayer. Maybe you're being encouraged to pray more. Maybe he's been dealing with you about shutting the television off. I, I, man, I, I cannot be the only person that has been told to put their phone down more often. Amen. In my spirit, like right here. Put the phone down. Spend some time with me. Come on, do you remember what it like used to be like? Come on. No distractions, just you and me. Let's have a talk. Amen. Hearing him... And then being obedient to what you're hearing. 
but also on a fundamental level of being obedient to his word. Haven done a message last night at the youth that was just out here in the Southern Building uh, last night. Uh, and her message to them was, is, what is your identity? And who are you in Christ? Finding our identity in not what we see our identity in, but in who God says that we are. That's important. That's important because that's not, just, that's not a message just for kids. That's a message for adults. That we begin to kind of cut off the things that have been distracting us. And maybe the Holy Spirit's been dealing with you lately. Maybe he's been pulling on your strings and he's been trying to talk to you, but maybe we don't listen so well. I'm, throwing my, I'm the first one to throw myself on the chopping block and tell you that I've had to come back to some ways of, of listening to him. It's like I've been hearing that voice for a long time, but I hadn't been listening. I've heard him speaking, but I hadn't been doing it. I'm doing it now. Change the way that we do things. Because this is the time. Right now, we're in a time, very pivotal time in our nation. We need to be obedient. We need to be obedient to the Lord. Okay, so in Acts, Luke reported the ascension of Jesus, adding detail to the account. As Jesus rose, a cloud hid him from the disciples' sight. Two men, likely angels, suddenly appeared among them. Their message prodded the disciples to action and filled them with hope. Jesus would come back as was promised, but until then they had their orders. The believers returned to Jerusalem to await the promised Holy Spirit. The eleven, along with others, gathered in the upper room. I wanted to stop for just a minute and, and, and tell you that th this is, we've talked about seasons in here before, and I want, to just, I want to just take a moment to talk about that, because had the disciples not been obedient, had they just, let's just say, you know, Jesus had ascended, and they just decided that, you know what, I'm just so sad he's gone. I'm just so sad that I can't be with him anymore. And they got stuck in that season. They were stuck there. And Jesus said, hey, I need you to go wait for the Holy Spirit. They're like, you know what? I need to mourn for a little while. I just really want to think about my circumstances. I don't know how I'm going to live without him. I don't know how I'm going to make it. What did, they didn't do that. What did they do? They were obedient. And they moved on. They moved on. Some of you need to move on. You're still caught in that old season. You're still thinking that there's something going to be revived back there in that old season, and it's going to work for you. When I seen this, I was like, that's it right there. I'm telling you. I don't know. Maybe it's all of us. Maybe we need to hear this. We've got to quit holding on to the old season. When it is gone, it is gone, and it's time to move on. And the obedience factor pushes us into that next season. He's not going to give you instructions to keep you in the old season. The new instruction is to get you out of it and to move you into that new area, that new place. What that is for you, I have no idea, but I know we got to find it. I don't know what it is for you, but we got to get there. We got to get, we got to leave the old behind, and we got to push forward to the new, because God is always new. He's always doing something new. Uh, that might mean you, taking you out of your comfort zone. That might mean taking you out of the place that you've enjoyed. I like being here. I don't want to leave here. This is the way God works. God spring out of nowhere and say, we're changing, the, we're changing the game today. I got something new for you. Here we go. Let's not hold on to the old season. Let's be ready to go to the new. So, the gathered in room says, the resurrection and ascension impacted the lives of those who were the closest to Jesus. The community of faith included several women who had followed Jesus during his ministry. It also included Mary, Jesus' mother, and his half-brothers who had come to believe in him. 
Even though these believers did not know what to expect, they were obedient as they waited for the fulfillment Jesus promised uh, Holy Spirit. As they waited, they focused on prayer and worship, a good pattern for us to follow. Right? That's a good, that's a good pattern. But now I want to I point something out, though. It's, as I said before, we got, we got some people that are waiting on him, and they don't even know what they're waiting for. We got some that are praying and worshiping, but not really moving forward. They're just stuck in that same spot. We got to put the two together. It's, it's, it's prayer, and it's worship, and it's obedience. And you put them all together, and you get a life that's going forward with God. It's going forward. You take one of those off. Take off the obedience. I'm not listening to you today, or for this month, for that matter, or for this year. But I'm still come to church. I'm gonna still read my word, and I'm gonna still do all those things. But I'm not really into being led right now. Church, you can't leave off one and not take the rest of it. It's a package. If we're gonna pray and we're gonna worship, we need to be obedient. We need to listen to what He's saying, not being stuck but allowing him to lead us. I feel this in my spirit, you know, and I have for quite some time, It's that I'm not the only one that's dealt with being stuck. I don't think I'm the only one. Being in a spot, you're like, why? I just, I feel like there's some kind of, I feel like I'm being bogged down. Anyone with me? Bogged down. You're trying to push forward, but you're tired. You got any tired people in here this morning? I'm trying to pray, but I keep falling asleep. I'm trying to read, but it always seems like something comes up. I know I'm not the only one. I can't be. Uh-huh. Come on. It might take a little bit of work, but we can get out. We got to get out of that. We got to get to where it's flowing again and where it's working and it's moving. Where we're listening to His voice and we're following Him and we're getting inspired by His Word and we're excited about it. We're excited about what He's saying to us. Okay. Um, let's go to uh, section three, right below there. A couple sentences there. A little bit of time. How hard it must have been to replace one of their own. Peter was obviously familiar with Old Testament scripture because he understood that scripture foretold Judas's betrayal. Prophecies in the Psalms also spoke of the need for another to assume his ministry role. This new apostle would need to have been one of Jesus' followers throughout his earthly ministry. Two men who met the qualification were set forth, Barsabbas and Matthias. After praying... For the Lord to reveal his choice, the believers cast lots to see who would step into this apostolic ministry. That was done with the, um, I'm going to say this right, the human and the thurum, if I believe I'm saying that correctly. If you if you ever wonder what those are, the priests had them, and, and, and a lot of times God's will was decided by the, the human and the thurum. And when, so when they said that they cast lots, this wasn't a chance game that they did to decide. God's, God was actually working through this. If, if, uh, you can go back to Exodus uh, on, the, um, on the, uh, the breastplate that Aaron had as a priest. You can look at this, this tool that he had. It's dated all the way back to Exodus, and they used this, and God would speak through this means, and it would fall on a certain person, and that's how you knew uh, who God had chosen. Uh, this was the same way... Um, well, I won't, I won't tell that story. That's a, that's a good story. I, I don't want to get distracted. Matthias was chosen. While casting lots, many seemed to have an odd way to make such a decision. Yeah, it was kind of odd. It was a relatively common practice at that time. Mentioned several times in the Old Testament, 
It was used by Joshua in dividing the land among the tribes. People believed it was a way for God to make his will known. Interestingly, casting lots is not mentioned again after the coming of the Holy Spirit, who is our teacher and guide. So we have the Holy Spirit now, right? No need to cast lots. No need for the, the human and the thurum. Now we just have the Holy Spirit. So have you ever had a question for God? You've been seeking direction. You're praying, and then you get it. Anyone other Amen. than that? Direction? In that circumstance, back then, they would have cast a lot. And they would have said, let's see where God's will is at. Today, we can hear directly from him. It's amazing. The privilege. The day of Pentecost, one of three great feasts celebrated by the Jews, was the 50th day after Passover, almost two months. Jerusalem was full of Jews and converts to Judaism from multiple countries. When the 120 disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit, three things marked this event. First was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. He, he has a way of letting you know when he's here. And he still does now. It doesn't happen the same way, but he still does now. Next, what looked like flames of tongues of, uh, like flames or tongues of fire ap appeared and settled on each of them. In the Old Testament, wind and fire were symbols of the Holy Spirit. So the believers would have connected these signs with the Holy Spirit. So not just signs, but power. Wind, fire, these were, these were power symbols. So it was, it was symbolic to them in the way that he came because that's the way they articulated it in this day. So wind and fire was an articulation to them of power. They understood this, and this is why he showed up in that form. Sometimes I wonder in today, like today's time, if we received the Holy Spirit today, would it come to us in exactly the same way? I don't know because I don't know if we articulate wind and flame the same way that they did. It's an articulation. And so God came to them in this way, and so they were like, whoa, power. This is powerful. It's a powerful event that's taking place. These two signs were not repeated later. The third sign was that they began speaking in other languages. There's where we start getting into dicey territory. As the Holy Spirit gave them this ability, Jesus had told the disciples that this would happen. The sign of speaking in tongues was repeated as others were filled with the Holy Spirit. Speaking in tongues was a sign to both the believers and those who heard them. When we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, we too will speak in tongues. <clears throat> what I like about the lesson here is that it makes this statement right here at the end of this paragraph. It makes this statement, it's the last sentence, and it puts a period on it, and it just stops, and it goes in another direction. When we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, we too will speak in tongues. I can't change that. I can't change that. But you'd be surprised at the people that are petrified of that. And I'm just, let's just be honest with ourselves this morning. If that's something that terrifies you, or maybe something that you're not sure about or scares you, remember if we're going to accept God's word in its entirety, maybe what we simply need to do is do some studying on the Holy Spirit. By doing that, it begins to unravel our questions. One of the things that I think that we think is, is that, well, if you got the Holy Spirit and you speak with tongues, good, that's your thing. Me, I don't speak with tongues. That's not my thing. Now, you've heard me say this before. I'm totally okay with people having their own thing but my question is is that you have to evaluate the word yourself and you need to find out whether it's open for all or just for some because if it's open for all that's a call for me to go deeper 
You with me? If it's open for all, and it's not just for the for the preachers or the teachers, and if it's if it's for everybody, then that's like a call to me. It's like a challenge, and I like challenges. It's a challenge. It says, "Hey, there's more here for you. Come get it." Hey, I gave this to you for free. You want it? Yeah, it's free. Let me come get that thing. I'm gonna come after it, right? So, seeking God's will for your life, I, I believe that when we start talking about that. We got to come back to some very fundamental basic things that the Bible talks about. And one of those fundamental basic things is the recognition that the Holy Spirit is here, like right now. Come on, like now. Right now, He's here. And He is still available today to be filled with. Amen. He can still be filled today. Don't look at the Holy Spirit as being this, like almost like a stereotype of, of like a symbolization of God. No, He's His own person, He can do His own thinking and talking though he still speaks only the will of the father it's very interesting study about the holy spirit study about this speaking in tongues and make a decision make a decision i think if we're going to believe if we're going to believe the whole bible we've got to recognize this aspect of it there's no way around it uh took me a little while took me a little while to get it i finally got it and i can't imagine my life without him and so if that's if that's you and i'm challenging you i'm challenging every one of you in here if you if you've got him go for more if you don't have him start studying and looking and asking and saying god hey if you've got this for me i want this i want to be filled with the spirit you heard me say this last week for those of you that were here i'm going to recap it real quick because we're just about out of time the the holy spirit is being lost in the church the holy spirit is being lost the knowledge of the Holy Spirit is being lost. And there have been times in history where it was lost. He's being scooted out of the way. Now, it would be easy to address that this morning. We could easily say, well, Jesus is coming back soon, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> and to me, that's a risky thing. Because we're, are we going to just say, well, I'm not going to really worry about receiving the Holy Spirit because Jesus is coming back next week. I don't think that was ever God's plan that you pre-anticipate his coming. And so we just write off anything else that we need to do. If you and I are mistaken and we're here for the duration, if I'm here for another 40 years, church, I want to know that I passed this knowledge on to these kids. I want to know that I, I, I acquired it myself and I showed people that it is something that is needed in my life. I'm totally out of time. Guys, I appreciate it. Love you guys. Have a good service.